I want to run something by you guys, okay? Out of our five senses, hopefully you know what they are, which one is the most valuable to you? If you had to rank them, which one would you want the most? Eyesight? Okay, yeah, people want to see. I agree with that. After doing some research, it's actually said so our sense of touch is the most important to our health because it tells you like when something's wrong in your body or when something is broken. Next to that was sight. People want to see. I agree with that. I like that. Now, on the flip side, the two senses that people are willing to just let go of if they had to was a tie between either our sense of hearing and our sense of smell. This is a tough one, right? Like our sense of smell, it goes hand in hand with your sense of taste. Like if you smell fresh cinnamon buns, you want to eat them. Like you can't have one without the other. If you smell barbecue something, you want to eat what's on the barbecue. Or if you drink coffee here, I know some of you are avid coffee drinkers. You got to get your fix once you smell it. But on the flip side, like, can you imagine not smelling a Christmas tree? I know it's too soon for Christmas, but still, that smell is intoxicating. Maybe it's just for me, but I love it. Now, hearing, though, okay, if you could not hear music, if I could not hear my favorite band anymore, what is this life about, right? You want to hear. Or just little things. Okay, this might be super weird. But I personally, I love the sound of when it's, like fresh snow and you're walking on like fresh powdered snow, like the crunch under your boot, that might just be me, but I love it. Or when someone has like a really like loud, joyful laugh. I have a loud laugh. So when I hear other people who have really significant laughs, I'm like, yes, I love it. On the other side though, there are the Janices of the world. <laughs> Guys, that clip was originally four minutes long. And after 15 seconds, I was like, cut it, cut it, that's good. Like, no matter how many times I watch Friends, her laugh makes my ears bleed. Like, you don't get used to it. Or other sounds, like when someone puts their like, nails on a chalkboard, I can't even say it without cringing. It's terrible, right? Or, okay, this might, this might offend some people, I'm sorry. But if I can hear you eating, I just want to like, softly but firmly just like put tape over your mouth. Just, just again, I'm sorry if that's you, but it's just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear the food in your mouth. Thank you. I'm not alone in that. But apparently research has shown that when it comes to hearing, we hear between 20 to 30,000 words in a 24 hour period. I do not know who keeps track of this stuff, but I'm going to believe them. We're going to run with it. We spend 70 to 80% of our day engaged in some form of communication with half of that time, over half, spent listening. Okay, makes sense, I agree. Some people are chattier than others, yes, but the average person speaks 125 to 175 words per minute. That seems like a lot, even if you are chatty. Now, even though we are capable of hearing so many words, uh, we only remember 17 to 25% of the things that we listen to that I agree with. You can tell me something, but it's a toss-up if I remember it. Okay, this next one, it may cause some division. 
But research, it's the research, remember, shows that men only use half their brain to listen while women engage both lobes. (laughs) I think we know that, right? I'm just going to leave that one. Now, if you are a student, this is a study hack for you. Listening to classical music while hitting the books has been linked to an increase in test scores. Okay, so go ahead at Mozart, Beethoven, when you're going to crush out those midterms. Like, even if hearing is not our most valued sense, I think we agree it's a big deal. We want it. We want all five of our senses, especially hearing, to be working like they're supposed to. But this month, we're going through a series called The Haunting. We wanted to get into the idea of what if there is something more than the physical world around us? Like more than just what meets the eye. So what if this world is not just what you see is what you get? So I'm talking about like the natural world versus the supernatural world. And I get that word like supernatural. It's not a common word. You probably don't use it every day when you're talking all those words. It can make you feel uncomfortable. But if there is a very real spiritual realm to our lives and to this world, how do we play a part in that? How do we function within it? Like if you think of yourself and the world like an iceberg, and there, yeah, there's part that you can see and explain, but there's a whole other amount that's going on beneath the surface. That would mean that we're spiritual before we are physical. Which is tough, right? It's tough to understand that, to even believe maybe for some of you. Like if you're here and you are, you're like, yeah, I am a Jesus follower here. There are multiple passages in the Bible that actually talk about this very real spiritual realm and and it does have an impact on us. So last week, Thomas kind of blew up this topic for us, opened this can of worms and talked about nothing being neutral. Like no matter what it is, what you choose, if you're religious or not, nothing is neutral. So even what we hear, even that can be very spiritual. So a question that people have been asking for a very long time, fair enough, is how do I know God is speaking to me? How do I know this this spiritual thing, this spiritual God is reaching out to me? And if he is speaking, how do I know what's even him in the first place? And we need to talk about this, it's important. Like the sheer physical size of the Bible shows that God is not silent. He has a lot to say. That is not a quick read, the Bible. And we believe that a lot of things he has to say is still very relevant to what we believe and are going through today. So hearing God, unfortunately, hearing from him, it's not some set equation or some a perfect science to it. I wish I could give you like a pamphlet that tells you and lays it out how it's gonna happen and when and what it will sound like. But I think a big part to the answer of this, it's actually something that we are really quick to overcomplicate, but we're slow to engage with. So before I get to that, I want to take you to the book of John. It's one of the Gospels. We've never heard of it. It just tells a lot of stories about Jesus. So the book of John in chapter 10, you'll see it on the screens. There we go. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber but the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. 
Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't get it. So he explained to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And later on, he actually goes on in that same chapter. And he says, My sheep, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. Okay. I don't know a ton about sheep. Maybe you do. But I literally Googled sheep this week, and the top article that came up said this. Sheep might be dumb, but they're not stupid. I don't know what that means, so we're just going to leave it with that. But I do love this imagery of, that Jesus describes here of the sheep. They know exactly who is entering their little sheepfold where they're getting in. Like, they know who they should listen to. They know whose voice to listen for and who they can trust to leave the gate with. There was no question. So if we, when it comes to us, if we want to know how to hear God's voice, we have to be able to recognize his voice. And that requires proximity. Like verse 10, what we were just reading in that same chapter, Jesus also went on to explain that he was the good shepherd. So he came to give, he was the one who came that rich and satisfying life. But that can't happen unless we are in close proximity to him so that we can hear him in the first place, so that he can lead us to that very rich and satisfying life. Maybe I'm already ahead of myself right here. Maybe you're like, okay, cool. Um, Why does God want to talk to me in the first place? Like, this is a new concept to you. It might feel very weird to think that this big guy in the sky wants to talk to you. I remember being very wary of that. It was not like a comforting or welcoming idea that God wanted to talk to me. And if he does want to speak, I think a lot of us would be freaked out. Like, we'd be afraid of what he's going to say. Like, I would assume he's going to, I don't know, he's going to turn me into a pillar of salt or give me like a day-by-day list of all things I did wrong. Like, who wants to hear that? But another book of the Bible, in Luke chapter 15, says this. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep, again with the livestock, he loves, he loves a sheep, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. Even if you have heard the story before, I feel like we cannot get numbed to the idea or used to the idea that Jesus is telling the story of how he will leave the 99 to go find the one. If he's willing to do that, then why wouldn't he want to talk to you? Like you, just you, as an individual, just me. It wasn't a trap. It wasn't to bring this one back and be like, oh, here's how you screwed up, by the way. Like he threw a party. If we were even to let ourselves just just believe, just even come to accept that we are valued by the Good Shepherd, that he would go that far to get us. Even after knowing all of that, 
Like, why is it still so hard to listen for him? Like, why, when you, if you hear his voice, when you hear his voice, it's just so hard to trust it, or you want to doubt it, or you want to second guess it, or you don't know if it's him. Or even you're thinking, no, I've screwed up so many times that I don't know if I want to hear from him. It's just easier just to shut that voice out, like I'm good. Later in a book called Galatians, it tells this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you are not under, um, un, oh my gosh, under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, all those words that are there. <laughs> and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Like whether or not we realize it, the Bible makes it clear. Like, there are these two very distinct sides, constantly fighting each other. Like, nothing is neutral here. The choice between life and death is this constant battle. And when I mean constant, it's, it's daily. It's not just pops up once in a while. Like, for example, if you are here and you are a Jesus follower, and let's say you are giving in to a known sin. Like you know what you're doing is wrong or you know what you're doing just against what you believe or it's crossed a line. It's in those moments that it feels like God's voice is just absent or it's distant, right? Like I know I have been here more than once. Like you've crossed this line and it feels like, yeah, I've crossed it. There's no going back. I think I have to stay here. Just deal with it. It actually took me a while to realize like our sin and our mistakes do not have the power to shut God up. Like we are not that powerful. But there are two sides of the spiritual reality that we can't be naive to. Like one leads to life and one leads to death. And the enemy, he will try every book he can, or every lie he can think of to convince you that yeah, God's given up on you, he's fed up with you, you've annoyed him, you just, you're too far gone, you're not worth it anymore, he's not gonna come for you. Or if God, if he does feel distant or absent, just your guilt and your shame has taken over. Because again, once I came to steal, kill, and destroy, the other one came to to bring that rich and satisfying life. So when, the, when there are these two competing voices, not if, but when they are, you have to choose what one you're going to listen to. Like which one you're going to dwell on and actually spend time with listening to. Because when you don't choose, you're still choosing. Like nothing is neutral. Even when you want to just avoid it and just distract yourself, that doesn't lead to a rich or satisfying life. 
So if that voice, if it's tearing you down or reminding you why, yeah, you are a screw up, you are worthless, like who do you think that is? So whose voice needs to retreat into close proximity to? One of these voices, it's going to lead you toward that peace and that unity towards God and with others. While the other one, it will work to pull you and keep you alone. It will distract you. It will make you want to stay down in, in your anger, in your jealousy, in your selfishness, maybe gossip or complaining, whatever it is. But you still have to choose whose voice will you come into close proximity to. And hearing God's voice, like I said, it's not an exact science. I wish I could give you a pamphlet. So what does his voice actually sound like? I always wanted to be Mufasa, you know? Like, you're in a field, you're Simba, he's Mufasa, it's clear as day, you know what to do. That hasn't happened yet. If it has for you, then no, I don't believe it. (laughs) But hearing from God, it can happen in more than one way. And it may not always be the way that we expect. And this is the part that we tend to really overcomplicate. Like, we put restrictions on God. He is not restricted by us. So first, uh, it'll sound like the Bible. He's the same God from 2,000 years ago as he is today. So the Bible will back up what he's saying to you. Second, it could be something that you just can't shake. Like maybe even after some time has passed, you feel like you've heard something from God, you've prayed about it, but you've kind of put it on the shelf. But you just can't shake it. That could be God speaking to you. Like the good news here, God is not anxious. He's not in a hurry. He's not worried He will get you through it. His voice can also come through friends and people around you who you really know and trust. I was recently out for French, oh, for French, no. Recently out for lunch with a friend of mine, and we'll call her, actually, no, who cares? Her name is Kate, and this story makes her look good anyways. So Kate and I were out for lunch, and um, she's one of those friends who, She can just knock sense into me, even when I don't know that I need it. Hopefully you have people like that in your life. And uh, as wonderful as Kate is, she has a terrible poker face. Like, terrible. So it's very obvious when, if I'm saying something, she wants to give me some very honest feedback. So I was telling her about something I was going through, and I was just, I was venting, and I was like, oh, it's stupid, it's meaningless. It was something that I'm like, I feel like I should hope for this and, and work towards it, but... No, it's stupid. I'm going to give it up and let it go. And I was kind of bringing it to her as in like, that's okay, right? Like kind of looking for permission just to give up and acknowledge that it is stupid and hopeless. And so she's listening and she very intently leans across the table and definitely like comes into that line of personal space. And she looks at me and she's like, okay, if you were to bring this to God and say to him what you're saying to me, Do you really think that he would be like, yeah, you're right, Amanda. This is stupid. Why are you hoping for this? Just give it up. Move on. Let it go. I was like, shoot. I was like, you're right. Like, I was uncomfortable. One, because, again, she was very close to my face, but also because she was right. And even if you are unclear on what God would say to you, can you even imagine a close friend saying that to you? If you can, well... I'm the small group's pastor here. Let's find you some new friends. I can help with that. But sometimes, like hearing God's voice can come to us 
so incredibly clearly through those around us. So seek advice from those people in your life who, who you trust, who at the end of the day want the very best for you and will give you that tough love if you need to hear it. I get that this can be hard to figure out. This is not a simple thing to really understand or even to know what voice you are, you are listening to or have been listening to. But I think some of you, you're running. Maybe it's out of fear. Maybe you're just ashamed. Maybe you're like, no, I'm too far gone. Maybe you're here and you're 21 years old. You're 28 years old, however old you are. And you're already giving up hope. That's a really young age to give up already. Like maybe you're like, no, it's just, it's easier. I'll just stay in my hopelessness, which is my bitterness. And I'll just stay where I am, whether it's your anger because it's just easier. But then that's what drives you. That's the voice you listen to. It's your anger that shapes your decisions. You'd rather just dwell on what you're feeling rather than doing the work of asking, okay, why? Why do I feel this way? And what am I willing to do to get out of it? God wants to hear from you. Like, he really does. And he wants to move in your life. That's not a question. But he's not going to force his way in either. Revelation 3.20, he says, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. He is not distant. The Bible says, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you. You don't have to move far for him to come and meet you exactly where you are, but you do have to make a move. Because it requires, again, that proximity to the shepherd to know his voice and to trust where he will lead you towards that rich and satisfying life. And the encouraging part here is that God is already speaking. He always has the first word. So listening to him, it's like a muscle you have to flex. Like it takes practice. It takes intentionality. Some of you, I bet a lot of you already know exactly what he's been trying to say to you. But maybe you're, just, you're too afraid to listen or you, you chose to run instead or just ignore him. That's okay. I get it. I have been there more than once. But the good news, God is not surprised by this. He's not choosing to turn his back on you because of your own actions. And even if you do get it wrong, let's say you do listen to the wrong voice, you listen to the wrong advice, whatever it is, you are not holding God back. Again, he is not anxious. He is not worried. He will get you through this if you are remaining in that close proximity to him. And learn to hear from God. It will take practice. This is not just a one-time thing. This is like a lifelong practice that happens one day at a time. So maybe tonight when you're driving home or tomorrow if you have a day off, just to help you get started, challenge yourself first Totally force yourself to pull away from the noise, like turn off the screens, put things on silent, even music, just turn it off. Maybe it's just five minutes and then you grow from there. But force yourself to draw away from that noise so that you can hear that voice that you, you really need to hear from. Second, don't overcomplicate it. Get into the Bible regularly, pray regularly. Like, seek godly advice from those people that you trust. And if what you hear is backed up by scripture and it brings you closer to that peace and that union with God and others, 
and trust it. And third, learn how to flex that muscle of of discerning or listening to God's voice. And this could be something very simple, like ask yourself the following question as soon as you wake up in the morning, before your day begins. Ask yourself, okay, God, where do you want to speak or move in my life today? And then in the evening, answer that question. Think about it for five, ten minutes. Say, okay, where did I see or hear God moving in my life today? What did he say to me today? Like asking those questions, it will really help you just to learn his voice or see where he's moving. And actually, before, before we end for the night, I want to give you guys a chance to actually do this. To sit through, think this through, and meet with God. Because like I said, you could be here and you know he's been talking to you, but you've just been avoiding him. Or you could have no idea where to start or what any of this could mean for you. That's totally fine. I'm going to give you a couple minutes right now, actually. There's going to be some verses on the screen. And as you're going through it and just thinking, think through this question. What if God is reaching out to you? Like, what, what would he want to say to you? And then we'll come back after that. Do you guys want to stand? And we'll pray. God, thank you that... No matter what we do, you will always speak. That we can trust that. We don't have to worry if you will move, but we can just come to you and ask when. What do you want to say to us? So God, I pray for each individual in this room. If they, they know what you've been saying to them, but they are afraid to confront it, or they've been running, would you remind them of, of your grace, of your love, of your kindness, that you want to lead them to a place beyond themselves, to that rich and satisfying life. God, I pray for those who don't know what this means or don't know if they've been listening to the right voice or the wrong voice. Would you give them that discernment and that wisdom, again, to turn to you and know that you will rush in and you will meet them there. But God, we do pray that each person in this room would come into close proximity with you to trust where you will lead them, God. So we thank you that we can step out in faith and trust you in this. So we ask this in your name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. We got treats for you out there. So go enjoy. Have a good night.